It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. Thank you, Miss Andy. Thank you for 40 years of backing me up, standing by my side, dragging me forward. <laughs> Amen. We did have fun last night celebrating 40 years, and you know, throughout this whole time, uh, this this year. The Lord's been dealing with me about 40, and um, it, I think I've probably mentioned it before, but 40 is the, the number in the Bible that's uh, seen as uh, a number that represents divine testing of man. Uh, it's used a lot through different times of testing. Jesus w- was in the wilderness 40 days. Uh, Moses was 40 years, you know, there before he went back to Egypt, several different things. Um, it's, uh, and the Jews believe that there's uh, 40... Uh, that 40 represents transition and change. And I believe that. I, I think that after any time of testing and proving that there is a transition, there's a change. And I'm looking forward to that. I really am. I, I've been sensing it. I've been feeling it in my spirit. And I've been feeling it in my body, too. I was telling Charlie last night, I feel better than I felt since probably uh, I was about 30 years old. But I've, you know, I've had two hip replacements, four shoulder surgeries, uh, jaw surgery, neck surgery. And so... Uh, you know, now it's kind of all starting to settle in, I guess. <laughs> I hope when I go in the rapture, I hope y'all are with me because they don't want to be standing around. There's going to be titanium hips falling around here and, and screws and wires and all kinds of stuff. So you won't be standing around. <laughs> but <laughs> I believe that um, it is a time of transition and change. I'm sensing that in my spirit. Uh, it really brings about 40, brings about the concept of renewal and new beginning. How many of you are ready for a new beginning? Amen. How about some renewal? Renewal. Um, according to the Talmud, it takes 40 days for an embryo to be formed in the mother's womb, and it takes uh, 40 weeks uh, for a pregnancy to actually last 40 weeks if it's, it goes through the full term is what it's seen. So it's just kind of interesting how the number 40 is used. In Roman numerals, 40 uh, is represented by XL, extra large, you know. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, the way I kind of see this is that, um, that uh, God's going to do something and he's going to supersize it. He's going to do something new and he's going to supersize it. Would you like fries with that? <laughs> he's going to supersize it. Are you ready for him to supersize some things in your life? Amen. New beginning after divine testing. New beginning after divine testing. I feel like we've been you know, in our ministry, we've been going through some tests. I really do, especially the last 10 years. That last decade, was, they like to kill me. In fact, I did, you know, they lost me three times. But anyway, we're back. We're here. We're still here. God's not through with us. And, um, and, you know, he's not through with you or you wouldn't be here. You're not just left here to suck air and grow old, okay? <laughs> uh, you're here, and some of you aren't here just because you're, you're, you're pretty smiling face. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're just here, and God's not through with you. I believe God's about to open heaven and release, re- release a new thing. Everybody say, new thing. Turn to somebody and say, a new thing. A new thing's coming. A new thing, that'd be a good title, a new thing's coming. Um, I want you to open your Bibles to Isaiah 43. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 through 21. This is probably familiar to to many of you, but I want us to look at it and meditate on it. God just jolted my spirit with this scripture 
<clears throat> it's been a while back, but he's kind of been working it around and seasoning it, marinating it, if you will, you know, down inside of me and just making it rich and flavorful. And um, I don't know if that's how you, you de- uh, define a sermon or a message or something that God's doing, but that's the way it seems like to me. And in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18, I'll be reading from some from the New International Version, some from the New King James, but uh, in the NIV it says, forget the former things, and then he says, uh, do not dwell on the past. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. I'm like, well, wait a minute, Lord, we just had a thing last night where we looked back 40 years. And he said, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. He's talking about, you know, those failures and those uh, bad choices and those things that can linger around and make you feel unworthy and feel like, or, or maybe some hurts, somebody, you know, hurt you and, and you're hanging on to that and that's holding you back. Basically what he's saying is forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. And then he goes and says in verse 19, see, I am doing a new thing. The, the King James says, behold, I do a new thing. Tell somebody he's doing a new thing. Then he says, now it springs up. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wastelands. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wastelands to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Hallelujah. Father, just open us up today. Holy Spirit, just impart to us your word and let it be revelation knowledge today. Let us allow it to penetrate into us and in the very deep areas of our life, saturate us with your word that it produces revelation in us and it changes us and sets us on the pathway to a new thing that you're about to do. Father, we present ourselves to you now for you to do that. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's just kind of break this down a little bit. And uh, New King James Version, it says, do not remember the former things. The NIV says, uh, forget the former things. Um, uh, it says, do not dwell on the past, or nor consider the things of old. You know, you, you've got a, here's the whole thing. You have a purpose way beyond your history. You have a purpose in God that is far beyond your past. A lot of times the past holds us back. Even sometimes the good old days, because we get to remember the good old days, and we're always looking back, and we're not seeing the good, good days that are ahead. When we do a motorcycle ride, uh, for some reason, I think it's because I have a GPS system, but I get appointed to lead. Actually, I know why, because that's the most dangerous point. If anything's going to happen, a lot of times it happens right there. So they're like, okay, well, if pastor's okay, then that's <laughs> But what I find myself doing a lot of times is I'm watching my rearview mirror because, you know, as we're coming, especially if there's four or five bikes, let alone maybe 10 or 12 bikes, where you're trying to look back, try to keep the group together. You know, if I'm getting ready to pass or pull out to go around something, I'm watching, make sure i got a lot of room, and I'm watching back. And so I'll pull out, and I'll stay in that other lane, and I'll watch my rearview mirror until everybody kind of gets out, and then I'll start to go on in and move in. And I actually find myself, there's been times I've found myself watching in the rearview mirror more than I'm watching ahead. I'm like, well, wait a minute. I, I need to kind of keep my eyes on where I'm going up here. I might miss a sign. I might miss the exit. I might miss where we're going because I'm too concerned about what's in the past. 
And you know, a lot of times we live our lives that way, looking in the rearview mirror. And we've got to be careful about that because we're liable to miss that sign, that exit, that next thing, that, that off-ramp where God says, okay, here we go. We're going this way. We're going to a new thing. I've got a new thing over here. Really? I've never been over there. Surely that can't be the right exit. Yeah. So he says, forget the former things. Um, you know, forget, that, forget what happened. Forget those things that hurt you. Forget those things that knocked you down. Forget those people that, that uh, you know, that hurt you and Forget all those things in your past that would hold you back, all those weights that would hold you down. Forget about those things. Don't keep going over old history and old history. Be alert. Be alert. Be present. I hear that. Be present. You know, he's a now God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if I want to know what's going on back there, I can just look at right now because he's the same as yesterday, today, and forever. So I can look at him. That's why the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, he authors faith for where he's taken us. I need to be looking at him. And so, um, you know, and, and there's a principle here. When you let go of your past, you're actually making a way for something better to come along. Amen. You got to clear out so that you can put so, let, let him put something new in. Put off the old, put on the new. That's a spiritual principle. Put off the old, put on the new. We, we die to ourselves, our old nature, and then we are filled with the new nature, the new creation, and we fill up with him. So you've got to let go of the past so that he can fill you up with the future. Are you ready to do that? You ready to forget about some things? Amen? Might have been somebody that hurt you. Might have been a church that hurt you. Might have been me that hurt you. You know, it's whatever's stand, keeping you from going on to that next step with God, forget about it. Forget about it. That's what he's saying. And I hear him, hear, hear him saying, I'm about to do something brand new. I'm about to do something new. God has uh, something great in your future. At Oral Roberts University, we used to say, and Oral would say, something good is about to happen to you. Something good is about to happen. Oh, I don't know if you're getting this or not. Let me come over here and preach to these people here. Just a little bit. Something good is about to happen. Amen? Amen? Something good, something new, something new, something good. You know, in our lives, as we look back over our lives, a lot of times we see certain specific things. Maybe it was just a, it could have been a short little incident. It might have been a 30-second thing or whatever that happened, and it, but it changed us. It set us on a, a new direction. I said when my parents in 1970 said, hey, we're going to go to Topeka, Kansas and go to camp. Would you like to go? You know, I, had, I was working a job and different things. I said, yeah, why not? Why not? I don't, you know, I mean, I had plenty of things to do. And so I went to Topeka, Kansas and fell in love with a woman. <laughs> well, found something new. <laughs> found some, and y'all heard, you heard some of her, her Kansas accent this morning. You, uh, something about washing something, what was it? Warshin, and then pop on the bottom of a pop can. You know, that's Coke for us. You know, you get a, uh, let's go get a Coke. What do you want, a cherry Dr. Pepper? Or do you want a, <laughs> everything's a Coke. But anyway, you heard a little bit of that. But that changed my life. And then I look at certain situations. And when I was working for Rock Island Railroad, and early in the morning, about three o'clock in the morning, here I am in a control tower, you know, working away. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God began to move on me about some things to leave that job. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? I worked hard to get here. And this, 
position. Left that job and went into construction and because I sensed something in my spirit, what happened was some changes came about. If I'd have stayed at that job, I'd have had to start traveling around and going to various other places to work for the railroad. And then they folded. I mean, there's no railroads left except for the Burlington Northern BTSF, Burlington Northern Santa Fe, and the Union Pacific, you know. And I didn't work for either one of them. So <laughs> I would have been out of a job. But the Holy Spirit just prompted me. And it's just that little, that still small voice where you say, okay, and you follow it. And you go, here you are. And it's something new. Something new. People, we're at that crossroads. We're at a point where God says, behold, I do something new. Be alert. Be present. Don't keep looking back. You're going to miss this, this exit sign right here that God has. He says, I'm about to do something new. Something good is about to happen. And how can we tap into this something new that God's doing? Well, let's look at that this morning. There's a lot of things that jotted down about this. There's, like I said, there's a certain principle that says put off the old, put on the new. That's the first thing we need to do. We need to, as it goes into verse 18, you know, put off those things. Stop thinking about those things. Stop thinking about everything, all the reasons why you can't, you won't, you don't, or whatever. You know, maybe you need to step into the water. And you know, well, I've never been out there more than knee deep. Well, Stop thinking about what, and just launch out. Go out. Go for it. There's a certain posture for, for receiving from God that I think that's found into the, in, in the Bible, and, and I call it HPST. HPST, because that's how I remember certain things, is little, uh, little initials. And, what, and HPST stands, for, to me, it stands for humility, prayer, seeking, and turning. You might know the scripture in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name shall H, humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. So there's a certain posture that I believe that we need before the Lord when he sees that. When we humble ourselves before the Lord, we empty ourselves out of us. The, the word that's used there is like, uh, the only way I can express it, because I'm a visual person, is you know when you take a toothpaste, tube of toothpaste, and you squeeze it all out, and then you run down on the side of the cabinet, and you squeeze it? Y'all don't do that? You wasteful people. (laughs) I mean, when you squeeze it all out as much as you can squeeze out, that's humbling yourself. You squeeze everything out that of you, you, it's just purged out, and you humble yourself before the Lord. Now fill me up. When you get rid of you, then he can put in him. And so we humble ourselves before the Lord. Uh, and then we, we uh, he says, humble yourselves uh, uh, and, and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. When we humble ourselves and then when we pray, it's not selfish prayers. It's not self-centered prayers. It's not about us. It's about him. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you had three wishes, you know what people, if you had three wishes, what would you wish for? Three more wishes. (laughs) Because I got a lot of stuff I want, right? But see, in the spirit, you know, it's not so much if you had three wishes. It's like, come before God. I mean, it's open. What is it? And, and when it's not about us, it's about his kingdom. Because why are we here? Not to bring about our kingdom. It's not about us, but it's about him. And when it is to, to advance his kingdom, Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. He starts that in John 15, 16. He says, 
you haven't chosen me. I chose you. This isn't about you. It's about me. Because I know what he, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this. He said, I know, you know, I created you. I designed you. I put purpose in you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I ordained you. I predetermined that you should go and bring forth fruit. Every one of us are to go and bring forth fruit in some area of our life. When we are, uh, we are after purpose, when we're following him and we're pursuing purpose, the purpose that he's designed for us, you'll bring forth fruit. You haven't chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you to bring forth fruit. Fruit that will last. Fruit that will remain. Good fruit. Fruit for all eternity. Not just something that's temporary, but permanent fruit. Souls for the kingdom. Something that has an eternal value and impact. That you will go and bring forth fruit. Fruit that will last. And he says, and if you ask the Father anything, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it. Most of the people... That's what they jump on. Oh, boy, I got a blank check with God, you know. Uh, you know, I got the, the genie lamp, you know. It, it's whatever I, whatever I ask for. And then what happens? They usually don't get it and they get mad. And James tells us you have not because, or you, because you ask with, with wrong motives in mind. You ask for yourself. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about advancing his kingdom. So we are to pray. So we humble ourselves first so that there's no self-centeredness in us. There's no self in us so that when we're praying, there's nothing in there that'll kind of like attract it. You know, there's no, no selfish Velcro in there that'll get a hold of those prayers and drag it back. You know, there's no uh, magnet self, self uh, will in there that'll pull in the will of God to who we want it to be. We empty ourselves out of self and then say, God, and we begin to pray and be filled with the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6. We're all things with all kinds of prayers, praying in the Spirit. With these things in mind, be alert and keep on praying. So we pray. And then he goes and he says, and seek my face. Sometimes people, you know, and it's a big accomplishment. <laughs> it's a big accomplishment in the, the body of Christ to to just get the first step to humble yourself. Wouldn't you say? I mean, that's a big deal. And so if we can get past that and really come honestly in an honest prayer, that's a big deal. But people, he's saying the next thing is, and seek my face. And that's what God is saying is, I need some of my people to seek my face. I'm about to do a new thing. I'm about to do a new thing. Seek my face. Know what I'm going to do. Watch where my eyes go, you know? See where I'm going. You know, we need to be back there watching him. And if that, that signal light comes on, man, my signal light comes on. I'm exiting. I was, uh, we were riding, we were following some banditos one time, me and Sandy. There's this group of banditos. There's about 12 bikes. And I mean, they had a tight formation. A lot of times we'll, we'll ride in our formation. We've got two or three seconds behind. Or, if you know, you ride in a staggered formation. So maybe I'm three seconds behind the bike that's in my lane. And then this over here. And, you know, that's... It's tiny, tight. You don't want to be so loose that cars pull in on you and it gets dangerous. These guys were like, I mean, the next bike was like where that chair was. They were riding tight. And so as they would go, I was watching them. And man, when they moved, it was like, boom. And they, there was no, none of this, you know, dun, 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 you know, like dominoes falling. I mean, it was like everybody moved. Everybody went. Everybody, I mean, it was like so synchronized. I thought, wow, that's amazing. So how are they doing that? 
And I got to watch it, and what would happen was the guy that was in the lead, when he'd give one little signal, and even the guy in the back could see that, they, stepped, they all went over. And it was over just automatic. Everybody made one move. But that's so cool. I learned a life principle from the banditos. <laughs> when we move, we ought to move together, synchronized. And nobody would dare get in the middle of that, that formation, I guarantee you. You know, we don't need the devil. We don't need to be so far back and lax that the devil's jumping in the middle of us, causing chaos. You know, we need to be tight together and moving together, watching the Lord. And when he says move, we move right then. You see, if we're all together in one mind and one accord, when he says move, the person second in line, third in line, fourth, fifth, all the way down, we're all going to hear it at the same time, and we're going to all move at the same time. Are you following? I don't know. You ain't getting this today. Are you anybody getting this? It's not kind of like, well, what's happening? I don't know. What's up? I don't know. Oh, look, I think somebody's moving. Yeah. yeah they're, oh, okay. Well, I need, probably need to get over. We've ridden some large bike rides. Uh, the honors ride, for instance, that goes from here to San Antonio. And it's like 1,200 bikes or something, wasn't it, Chris? Something like that. That's 1,200 motorcycles. You get spread out, and you start to get this, what I call the train effect. You're just, you know, you get up there, now you're running about 55, and all of a sudden, oh, 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 just slow down. Okay. They all slow down. Then they speed up, and you're kind of real low. Then it's like, here you go. You start to catch up. It's like, you know, cars in a, in a train. You know, take the slack out, and then it pulls on. It's all real jerky because it's all spread out and so long, and nobody knows what's going on at the front. I can't see the front of the line. I can barely see the person in front of me. You know, so you're, you're reacting. Everything's a reaction. It's a reaction instead of a movement. That's the way the body of Christ has been. It's, we've been reacting to things rather than moving. We need to hear. All of us need to hear God. He said, I'm doing a new thing. What he's doing is, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So get ready, people. Get ready. We need to hear him. Seek his face. Not what somebody else is doing or this or that or whatever. Seek his face. What's he doing? And then turn from your wicked ways. Turn from your rebellious ways. Turn from your flesh, your self-centered ways. Turn. Repent. Get on it. Say, I'm on this thing. I'm, I'm ready. I'm on the new lane right now. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for something new. Tell somebody, I'm ready for something new. Well, out of that, then there's always a promise that comes. Like there in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, it says, then... I will hear from heaven. But then, then God begins to speak, and he forgives and heals. That's what happens. And then there's also such a, a perpetual blessing that comes along with that. In the latter part of that scripture, he says, uh, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive in this place to the prayers made in this place. Man, that's what I want. That's what I want. Praise God. What kind of attitude would you have if you knew that when we came together in this house, the house of God, to pray, it would happen? No doubt. No doubt. I mean, there's, that's the kind of confident assurance. Like, well, you know what? I know that if they pray, it's going to happen. When we first started, we, we needed a facility. We were renting a, the elementary school, Walt Disney Elementary School. Yeah, I know everybody thought I was Mickey Mouse or... You probably thought I was Dumbo or something. I don't know whether. But anyway, uh, we needed a building, so we prayed. And God opened it up. We had to go to an, uh, to an auction to buy it. We didn't have any money, so we just prayed. 
knew if we prayed, God would he'd speak. And so that's just kind of the way it was. And so we, uh, uh, this building down the road came available. It was a Wilson's, it was a carpet center, or whatever. And we needed a youth building at that particular time. And so I said, well, Charlie, go to the auction. He's the youth director. That's a good person. Send to, right? I mean, the youth director knows what he's to buy, right? <laughs> Some people think that's crazy. Don't send a youth pastor to buy the youth building. Of course he's going to buy. <laughs> but anyway, so he went and, and the guy that I think it was Andy Zumwalt said, well, you know, because I think he might have had it listed or something. He says, um, well, you know, I like Christian Center. They're looking at it. And he says, and you know what will happen? They'll pray and they'll buy it. <laughs> and I thought, well, what a good testimony, you know? What a good testimony that they know. Well, when they pray, it's going to happen. Well, that's, that's pretty neat because God says there's a perpetual blessing about humbling ourselves, about praying, about seeking His face, about turning from our self-centeredness, our, our self-willfulness, and that uh, not only does He, you know, uh, hear from heaven and uh, He opens His eyes and His, and his ears to be attentive, but it says, um, this, it says, now my eyes will be opened, my ears attentive. I have chosen and sanctified this house. My name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Isn't that cool? He's always dwelling. And so people, if we stay in this particular attitude of seeking Him, humbling ourselves, and uh, praying with, a, with his, his kingdom in mind, and then seeking His face, His will, and, and then repenting for where we missed it, getting on track, God's going to bless. He's going to do His part. All we got to do is do our part. And so we come to verse 19 back in Isaiah 43. So we forget the former things, lay those things aside. We get rid of ourselves. We come before the Lord now. We're going to get ready to step into the new. And he says in verse 19, see, behold, I'm doing a new thing. What's interesting is in the Hebrew, that word is see in the NIV or behold in the King James it says that it's, it's to see demanding attention. It's like, hey, pay attention. <laughs> it's like, hey, behold. I got your attention now? Okay. I'm doing a new thing. That's, that's, that's kind of how it is in the scripture. You know, it's like, may I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? I'm about to do a new thing. That's what, it, that's what the Scripture's saying right there. It's like, listen up. Behold. Okay, what? What? Because so many times like, God's talking. So I'm like, okay, well, <sighs> he's talking. Well, I've got to do my thing and whatever. Right? That's kind of the way we live our life. It's coming on. We might catch something here. But he's like, wait a minute. Hey, I'm talking. Listen up. Pay attention. Hello. I'm about to do a new thing. He wants to make sure we hear this. Behold, I will do a new thing. And it's, the NIV gets it a little bit more accurate. It says, I am doing a new thing. But you know, in God, it's, he is, he will, or he has, he is, he will. I mean, you know, he's, he's everywhere present. So, hey, He's done this new thing in time and eternity. He's already set it into motion. So now, he says, it's going to spring up. It's springing up. It's sprouting up. What he purposed before the eternity for you and for me, this new thing, it's sprouting up. So he says, hey, it's sprouting up. Come on. I'm doing a new thing. Drop everything. Get over here. Hey, you got a near to hear? You better hear what I'm saying. 
That's what he's saying here. He says, it's now. He says, now it springs up. Now it springs up. Not tomorrow. Now. No, not next week. I said, hey, pay attention. Now. I feel like I'm talking to my kids. That's what God's talking to us. You know, he's like, hey, clean your room. Okay. You know what that's like. like, That was, the okay was, when when I think about it, when I get a chance, whatever. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't have kids like that? <laughs> it's like, hey, and then when you get serious, hey, clean your room now. Now. So he's saying, hey, listen up. Now. I'm doing a new thing, and now it's happening. Now. Not tomorrow. Not, not yesterday. Now it's happening. You better pay attention. Now. Church, listen up. Let me have your attention. God's saying, I am doing a new thing now, 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 let me, I don't, now, when's he doing it? Right now. When are you going to listen? Now? When are you going to listen? Now? What if you don't listen? You're going to miss out, right? Uh Uh-oh, yeah, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, yeah, my daddy God. If I didn't listen, one time I, I remember I was in, this is when we lived in Oklahoma City, and we had this little rocking chair. I think it was my mom's. I'm watching television. Now I'm about 12 years old. I'm watching television. All of a sudden, I'm doing backflips in the air. Woo! Boom. My dad had come in, and he was looking for me. He saw me in that chair. He flipped that chair like that. <laughs> doom, doom, doom. You know? And he started saying something, and motivating me (laughs) by his methods to the backyard where I failed to put his hammer, which is a very important piece of equipment to him, and his tape measure that was left in the yard, and it rained and the grass grew, and he was mowing (laughs) and hit the tape measure, and it went And hit the hammer, and the lawnmower went boom. And so, um, basically, he says, hey, haven't I told you to put these things up? <laughs> you know, isn't that where you get that tunnel, that vision, your vision just kind of goes. <laughs> hey, I don't want that to happen with Daddy God. He's telling us something. Let's don't have to react to it. And didn't I tell you? No, it shouldn't be, didn't I tell you? It's like, come on, oh, well done, now, good and faithful. Sir. Good job. You're in the midst of it. Hey, isn't this great? Something new. It's happening. Something new. He says, look, I'm doing something new. Something good's about to happen. You know? And he's saying, come on, look at it. See it. Behold. Catch this. Catch this. You know, he says, uh, the next part he says, um, behold, I will do a new thing. And then he, he goes on down and he says, verse 19, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Don't you, see, don't you perceive it? Don't you sense it? Don't, don't you feel it? You know, that's what he's saying. Hey, let me have your attention. I'm doing something new. It, right now, I'm doing it right now. Don't you, don't you sense it? Don't you, don't you know it? Can't you perceive it? Yeah, that's right. I've kind of been feeling that. How many kind of been feeling something? Like, oh, 
There was an old song back in the 70s. I just feel like something good is about to happen. How many of you remember that? And they start out real quiet. I just feel like something good is on its way. And then, you know, it starts to build up. It's like, oh, man, what? Something good's about to happen. And we're like, where, 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 where? Got our attention. Man, here it comes. Now it's going to happen. Don't you know it? Don't you? And it starts to build that anticipation. Yes. Man, I feel like something's going to happen. I just feel like something's going to happen. I don't know about you, but I've been feeling in my spirit, been turning around to, man, I feel like something's about to happen. I feel like something's about to happen. You know, when the high pressure comes, the hurricanes are coming in, they say that animals can begin to sense that. And they're kind of like, you know, wait, what's going on? Woo, boy, there's some pressure on my ears. You know, what's going on? My, my dogs are going like, what's up? What's up? Whoa, 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 what's up? Getting real nervous. Little Yorkie was like, <laughs> when that storm was coming, it was going beside us, but the high pressure was on. What's going on? Something happened. Something happened. I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it. We need to be, <laughs> we need to be like that. Sometimes <laughs> 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 something's happening. <laughs> something's happening. I, I feel it. 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 Do you feel it? Do you feel it? Have you been feeling it? Don't you perceive it? Don't you perceive that something good's about to happen? Don't you perceive it? Don't you sense it? Don't you know God's wanting to do something? Don't you know that he's not satisfied with how it is right now? That it's kind of like, you know, it's all, it's like, hey, wait a minute. He says, hey, don't, I'm, I'm about to do something. I'm about to do something. Don't you perceive it? Don't you feel it? Don't you feel it? Don't you sense it? It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. It's happening, it's happening, it's happening. And boy, we begin to like, yes, yes, yes. Where is it, where is it? <laughs> yes, I know, I know, I know. I know it's here. We'd been married about a year, and uh, Christmas came along, and we're opening our, Sandy and I are opening our gifts. No children, we didn't have kids for three years. And because uh, we work too hard, we're, we're working night and day and different things. But anyway, so I opened this, this little present. It was small. Or no, actually it was a big present. It had another box in it. And it had another box in it. And it had another box in it. I'm like, okay, what is this? I'm like, what's going on? Get down to a little envelope. Open that envelope up and there was a key. Hey. Now, I'm the optimist. You know, I'm like that little boy that was in the room that said, you know, let's, we can change optimist. We can change that. They put him in a room with three foot of horse manure. They thought, yeah, let's see if we can find anything good out of this. About 30 minutes later, they come back, horse manure is slinging everywhere. They said, what's up? What are you doing? He says, well, there's this much horse manure. There's got to be a pony. <laughs> well, I was kind of like that. I said, like, you know, hey, where there's a key, there's got to be something else with it, you know? And it was to a motorcycle. I was like, yeah. And so I'm like, where could that, where's that? Where could it be? Where could it be? Man, I'm like looking all around. You know, leads me over, and I found a helmet. You know, oh, man, I found something else. And it's like, wow, pretty soon I found the motorcycle. I don't know where it was, outside, somewhere, I don't know. But it's like, yeah, but I had this anticipation. I perceived it. Hey, you know what? There is a motorcycle somewhere. Some, isn't it nice when your wife buys you? That's why I've been with her for 44 years. <laughs> <laughs> Newlyweds, you want to keep somebody? No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> don't you perceive it? Do you perceive it? Have you been sensing that God's about, he's up to something. God's up to something. God's up to something. I feel it. Something's turning. Something's happening. God's up to something. Oh man, we need to see it. We need to feel it. We need to see the invisible. We need to believe the impossible because God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. Now it springs up. 
Man, he's been holding, he's been pruning this thing back. He's been pruning this thing back. He's been pruning this thing back until now it's about to spring forth. I was having some anxiety because my tractor broke. So I grabbed a chainsaw and I went to pruning. <laughs> and I've got these crepe myrtles. Oh, wait a minute, Eric, you need to, <laughs> you need to close your ears, Eric. This is going to hurt you. But anyway, and they hadn't been pruned for years. I mean, these crepe myrtles were probably, they were high. You know, and some at the base, some of them were like this, you know, these sprouts. And so I'm like, you know what? These things haven't been blooming for four years. You know, they don't bloom anymore. They just don't bloom anymore. And I'd heard somewhere that you need to cut them back. You need to prune them for them to bloom. I'm like, well, you know what? I'm ready for some blooms. I feel like this is the year for blooms. So, you know, four shoulder surgeries. I ain't going all this. Two hip replacements. I ain't climbing on no ladder. (laughs) Yeah, that works. <laughs> I'm out there walking my dog. I'm looking. Oh, look. It's sprouting up. It's sprouting up. It's sprouting. Now, this big old thick crepe myrtle like this, it's got all this little bushy blue, new blooms out there, you know? It's going to put forth. I've heard that in the orchard, in the grapevines, in the orchards, that, you know, they prune back in various things like that to, to uh, work the grapes and make them better. But the ones that they really want to be real sweet, they said when they plant the plants, for seven years, they'll prune them back. They'll prune them back. Cut them down real short. Prune them back. Prune them back. Make that growth somehow. I, mean, I don't understand all the whatever it is to them, but, and, uh, but it somehow or another drives all that stuff into the roots and into the plant itself, and they prune it back, prune it back for seven years. You know, seven in the Bible is zenith. It's like the, the height, but it's also kind of like infinity. It's the, the, the uh, break term for infinity. So it could be any time. You know, it could be one year, it could be a thousand years. I mean, it's just infinity. I want to tell you something. I've been, I feel like for 40 years, I've been being pruned back. Pruned back. Okay, God. You go, hey, now look, 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 look. look. <laughs> here we go, here we go, here we go. <laughs> well, God, by the time we get up to here, it's like, chop you off. What's going on? What's going on? He says, I'm working some good fruit in you for the best wine, for the best grapes. Cut them off for seven years. Cut it back. And then they let it come forth. And it produces the good fruit. Come on, like Christian sitter. Hey, listen up. Listen up. Listen up. This is our year. This is our time. Coming forth. Hallelujah. Oh, there might be a little pruning here and there. There might be a little snipping here and there. But this stuff, (laughs) that's over. Something new is about to happen. Time for some new fruit. It's time for some new growth. It's time. Are you hearing me? Come on, somebody. I need somebody to get excited about this. You better get here early if you want that seat because your name ain't on it. And that's why we didn't buy pews. We bought seats because if you happen to get locked into that one, we're going to take that one and put it back here where you don't know where it is. We're going to shuffle them all around. Because you know what? Somebody's going to come in here and they're going to take your seat. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to put off? Would you be willing to stand through a a service to let somebody have a seat? In 1994, the Lord began to deal with me about that. And I remember saying that. Would you be willing to stand to let somebody have your chair? And we had 100 chairs, those red ones that are over in the children's room. <clears throat> Pretty soon they were filled up. 
we bought metal chairs. Every time, in this right, every time we would buy, like, you know, we could afford 25 metal chairs. Every time we bought 25, 30 people showed up. Now we've got to go back to Sam's. We're buying more chairs. Every week, put more chairs up, more people come, more people come. Pretty soon, we're averaging 330-some people a, a week. And you know what? Because everybody had an attitude of, hey, and we were praying over this seat. Fill this seat, Lord. Holy Spirit, bring them in from the north, the south, east, and the west. Don't let them pass this building without sensing something and pull in. People will say, you know, I don't know what's going on, man. I, I was kind of heading down to the, the stop and go, <laughs> and I just felt like I needed to come in and see what's, this is a church in here? This is a church in here? And stay and get saved. Remember those days? Time after time, people, wow, are you ready? 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 You need to act like it. You better act like it. <laughs> you better act like it. You better stand at that door. You're ready to open up and say, come on in. Welcome to the house of God. Something good is about to happen in here. Man, before they hit this second door, they ought to be saying, man, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. When you know that you know in your knower that God's going to move, <laughs> it'll start in the parking lot. It'll start down there at Gordon and South Street. People are like, I don't know what's happening. My, I must have a Tesla or something. It's just driving itself. <laughs> I can't wait for people to start driving Tesla. I'm going I'm to hack that car somehow and get them to pull into our driveway. <laughs> Amen. God's up to something, and it's good. And it's about to happen. Don't you perceive it? Don't you perceive it? Then we need to start acting like it. Amen. Every time we think, you know what, man, he's feeling, we're going, and every time God would fill it up. The more seats we'd buy, the more people would come. I thought, well, this is pretty cool. I found a new spiritual principle. Here, you just go to Sam's, buy chairs, and, and then it fills up. Amen. People, you need to go out and tell somebody, man you got to come. And it's like the woman at the well when Jesus, he just read her mail. And she went back and she says, you come and hear a man that, know, that told me everything that there was. you got to come. And she went out and that whole town, the whole city got revived. You know what I'm believing for? I'm believing for the whole city to get revived. Yeah. Hallelujah. Do you not perceive it? And God's saying, Behold, see it, get a vision of it. When you, it, it says, look with anticipation, look with attention, see it, get a revelation of it. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Other translation, where there's no revelation, the people throw off restraint. I want, you've got to get a vision for this people. You've got to get a vision for it. You've got to see it. You've got to see it. I remember this thing started hitting Topeka, Kansas back in the 70s, and, and you could just feel it. And all of a sudden, we started running a bus, and we were running a 66-passenger bus bringing 72 kids. And the pastor, Brother Clem Foster, he had brand-new Buick. He'd drive those brand-new Buicks. And he says, he comes and says, I'm going to go pick up some kids. Huh. Brother Clem, you got a brand-new car there. These kids are, we're picking them up from the, the barrio, and some of them ain't too clean because their parents are drunk from Saturday night. They don't get them up. And he says, oh, let's load this thing up. That's what Jesus gave it to me for. Isn't that right, Bonnie? That's what he'd say. Man, he'd come in, and kids would pile out at Buick, and you look in the back seat. Uh-oh, somebody had an accident. 
Wet their pants. Ah, ain't no big deal. We can shampoo that out of there. <laughs> Isn't that cool? And everybody began to kind of get into the flow. We started knocking walls out of the basement, didn't we, Bonnie? Kids started flooding that place. People started coming in until somebody started not maybe looking at the new and the good. And now sometimes, you know, as closer you get to some of those things, maybe you do start to smell the somebody had an accident. <laughs> they don't smell too good. They don't look too good. That ain't quite the people I'm used to hanging around. And it could be maybe they're working in the penthouse downtown Houston and you get feel uncomfortable with them or it could be that maybe they just got out of prison and you feel somewhere or another you know, you know all the social stratus whatever it is they're going to come the north, the south, the east and the west God says I'm doing a new thing it doesn't matter who you're used to sitting by you might not be able to you might have to be sitting by somebody you ain't comfortable with you know they might have billions of dollars in the bank they might not have anything in the bank. It doesn't matter. You see, I believe that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. So, young, old, rich, poor, they all get saved just about the same. And it's exciting. It's exciting. You know, he says, so haven't you been sensing this? I'm so, he says, uh, okay, I'm like, okay, Lord, so what I need to do? He says, well, ask, ask right? You know, you have not because you ask not. You know, Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. I go, okay, Lord, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm not. What is it that you want to do? He says, well, what do you need? Now, that is the test. When Jesus would go to pray for somebody, Tim, what would he do? He'd come up to him. And, now, here's a guy, his eyes are like, they, they lead him up there and he's standing there like this. And Jesus says, oh, what would you like for me to do? Well, Hello, Jesus. He's blind. <laughs> you can't tell that. I think we need to pray for your eyes. <laughs> what did he say? What do you need? What would you have me do? Really? You can't tell? Why did he ask him that? Where are you? So I'm saying, Lord, okay, what do you want to do? What new do you want to do? I'm thinking, you know, my mind's going, woo, 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 woo. All right, I'm, doing, I'm about to do a new thing. Okay, Lord, what is it? He says, listen, look. Pay attention. Okay, I'm paying attention. <laughs> I'm ready. It's like I get my dog out there. I got this tennis racket and this, this, bas- uh, this uh, tennis ball because I can't throw that far. <laughs> this shoulder goes. <laughs> but man, and I, she's like, <laughs> and I pop that thing, man. It is flying out there. And she, boom, and off she is. I'm like, I'm like her. <gasps> okay, what is it, God? What is it? He says, well, ask me. Okay, Lord. What is it? He says, well, what do you need? Uh. Maybe I better go back here and humble myself a little bit more because I'm thinking, like, you know, I could use a little extra money. Uh, <laughs> I got all these things broken. <laughs> Washing machine, water's flowing over here. All, I got all them things. Maybe I better go back here and make sure I'm all squeezed out of me. Hello. We got to remember H-P- HPST. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek his face. Turn from your good ways. Okay, now then, Lord, I think I might be back here to hear. What do you, then so it, it comes again, what do you need? Lord, we need revival. But not just revival. Not just a how high you can jump revival. Not just a shouting revival that's fun when you're in, in here and you walk out. The transformational revival. Transformational 
Pastor, what's a transformational revival? That ain't even a word, is it? It is now. That's where you're transformed. You see, I remember going through, I remember going to church, and, and it was good. But we had some guy in there, I can't remember his name. Doesn't matter, because it was Jesus that was there. And all of a sudden, things began to change. There was a, a, a several, it was like two or three weeks long we went. I wish I could think of this young man's name. But anyway, he played the piano too real good. But something happened to me because it, it transformed me. It transformed me. I wasn't the same. When I came out of that, I wasn't the same person that went into it. I'm talking about transformational revival. Transformational revival. Miracles. You're blind, transformed, you see. Transformational revival. You've been hurt, wounded, broken. Now you're healed. Transformational revival. Something that impacts Something that makes you walk out that door and says, you got to come hear a man that knew everything about me. His name's Jesus. His name's Jesus. It's not just Pastor Paul up here. It's not Charlie Goodson. It's not, you know, it's not any, it's Jesus. If I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto me. I want to tell you something, people. We're going to have times when, as they said, you know, the, the Spirit of God was so heavy that the priest couldn't even stand up. To, to minister. I've been in services like that. I, I might assure you, I, I was a worship leader at Beams of Light Tabernacle in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Don't say that too fast. Our little, that time, Jessica, she used to call it Beams of Live Tabernacle. But anyway, and I'm just, man, we're worshiping the Lord and the Spirit of God's moving and, and people are being transformed. And I'm like, I just want to go and be alone with God. I, I know I need to do my job here and lead people into worship. Forget it. They're already in worship. I don't need they don't need me. And I want to find so I'm like, we had this thing where me and Brother Scott, he was a senior pastor, we kind of transfer off and he'd come up and he'd take it. And so I'm like kind of looking back at him. I'm gonna get him up there and I look back. He's sprawled out on the floor. He laid out. Like, well, what's up with that? Man, the spirit of God's so heavy that you can't even stand to, to minister. You're going to look around and say, where's pastor? Where's pastor? He's laid out on the floor over there. Well, who's going to preach? The Holy Ghost. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Holy Spirit. I'm sorry. I, I said Holy Ghost. I, that, I, you have to forgive me. That was that old Pentecost coming out in me. You say, well, what will people think? I'll tell you what they think. They think something happened. And they got changed, and they don't know what it was, but they sure didn't like it. Amen? When you drive as far as you can drive to bring a child that has no hope, the doctors have given up, there's no hope, and God touches them, and they walk out of a wheelchair, I guarantee you, you won't care what happened. You know that you got something that's transformed. You got a child that's walking that couldn't walk. Now, people, I'm going to tell you something. Here's what, when he's saying, hey, let me have your attention. I'm about to do something new. Right now, it's springing up. Don't you perceive it? So then here's what we do is, now we've got to pray, seek his face, call upon him, that we then are who we need to be. You see, it's springing up. This citywide prayer meeting that y'all been blowing off, some of most of you, it's like... Let me tell you something. I, that had been building in my spirit, brewing in my spirit for months and months. And when another pastor called me up, Brother Michael down there, he said, um, God's been dealing with me about something. What would you think about 
the churches of Alvin coming together to pray. I said, well, I think that most of them won't show up. I was just going to see if he was going to still hang in there. I've been there before. But I said, but those that do are stepping in to something new that God has planned. And it's been building. It's been building. God's doing something. It ain't about Methodist, Baptist, Pentecost, Charismatic, Episcopalian. When you get to heaven, you ain't going to be wearing no name tag. It doesn't matter. God's doing something. So what, what if some of our people go down there? Well, let me tell you something. If I can't keep you, if you don't love me enough, you're not mine anyway. That's why we got along for 44 years, you know. You know, if, if we're not in love, she ain't going to stay anyway. No matter, I mean, you know, what good is it? I'm not, she can buy me motorcycles. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? So here's the thing. I'm not worried about it. I love you guys. Hope you love me too. But if you're not supposed to be here, that's okay. Wherever you're supposed to be. But I'm going to tell you something. People are going to come in here. This place is going to be full because God's doing something new. God's doing something new. Ask, seek, knock. That's what Jesus said. So here's the challenge. Here's your homework. Not just while we're in this auditorium, but every day. Ask, God, what do you want me to do? So the the umbrella is transformational revival. What about you? What about each one of us? God's got something new for, for you, 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 every one of us. Because, see, when he works it new in you, that's starting that transformation. And we come in, and it's happening. It's springing up. It's springing up in each one of us. And as it springs up here, then it's going to keep flowing out, and it's going to flow out. People are going to come in. It's going to start happening. It starts here first. It starts in each one of us first. It's sprouting up. Man, I, I got a whole message I need to preach because, see, there's three principles, three key things to transformational re- revival. But I got six minutes, so ain't no way I'm going to jump into that. (laughs) Three letters that I remember them on is do, D-U-E. There's a word for each one of those letters. See, Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Due time. Here they are. I'm going to give you this, and then I'm going to preach it next week. And there's still a whole lot more. But we're getting ready for something new. Desperation. If you're not desperate, you're not going to see transformational revival. Desperation. The woman with the issue of blood, she was desperate. How did she get a transformational miracle? She was desperate. She was desperate, and she pressed through the crowd. There she pushed. You pray until something happens. P-U-S-H, pray until something happens. I need to write backwards. I need to be dyslexic. How you doing, Aspen? Desperation is going to bring about transformational revival. I, I wish we had some desperate people in here. Second Chronicles 20, 20. They're standing there, and they cry out to God. Basically, let me paraphrase all of our enemies are coming against us and God. If you don't do something, we sunk. Our hope is in you. We're desperate. We've got to have you in this thing. Desperate. 
urgent, urgent. In case you don't know it, Jesus is coming. Four times in the book of Revelation, he said, behold, remember that word? Hey, listen up. I'm coming quickly. Four times. Four dimensions. He says, hey, you better get serious about this. You want transformational revival? It needs to be urgent. We need to do it, and we need to do it now because Jesus is coming, and unless they get saved, they're going to hell. What happened to the urgency in the church? People don't talk about it. Preachers don't preach about it. I'm afraid we're going to offend somebody. No, I'm going to teach about it. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And, and like, like he told the one who betrayed him, what you do, do quickly. <laughs> I mean, there's an urgency. It's got to be done. It's got to be done now. Desperate. Desperation, urgency, and expectation. You want transformational revival? When you're desperate, when you are urgent, you got to have it now. It's got you. I mean, now is the day of salvation. And when you're expecting, you believe that the impossible is possible in the impossible times. He said, I'll make a way in the desert. I'll make a way where there is no way. I'll flow streams in the wastelands. Who is doing this? God's doing it. And there's no way. It's impossible. It's impassable. Ooh, I like that. That's, it's impossible. It's impassable. But God says, oh, okay, then it's time for me to step. Let me tell you something. If you're not praying, oh, oh, hmm. I just want to make sure you hear this. This is not to insult you. This is to shake you up. And, you know, I'm more of an exhorter than a prophet. But I want to tell you something. If you're not praying, the Holy Spirit just said, if you're not praying bold prayers, you are insulting God. Woo! Because, see, here's the thing. If it's not impossible, then you're just, you're insulting him. Because if you can handle it, why are you asking him to mess with it? But I want to tell you something. Big dreams, impossibilities, they don't insult God. They challenge you. Oh, yeah. All right. That'll get me up out of my throne. Yeah, I'm ready for this. Uh-huh. Yeah, something nobody's seen before? You bet. Let's move some water. Let's part some seas. Let's kill some giants. <laughs> Woo! Let's turn some water into wine. That's, I like that. That'll get... You know, why does he do it? Just for a show? No, to get your attention and say, I'm going to tell you something. I'm the God of the impossible. I'm the God that wants to transform you and turn you into a child of God that walks and talks about who I am. To proclaim my praise. Isn't that what he says? I'm going to flow streams in the desert. I'm going to make a you know, way where there is no way. Why? He said, oh, yeah, man, uh, the jackals, they love me. All the animals, they love me because I'm putting this stuff out there. But here's why I'm doing it. Because so my people will praise me and know that I'm the God of all things. That spoke and the the world came into existence. God that will do what you never thought he could do abundantly, (laughs) exceedingly abundantly above all that you're able to ask or think. And when you get that down in your spirit, you're going to go out and you're going to tell somebody at the stop and go, you're going to go into Walmart and say, man, you got to come to church. God's there. He's moving. Uh, You you can get out of that wheelchair. 
In fact, if you, don't, you can get out of the wheelchair and walk to church. Let's pray right now. In aisle 36. I think God says, I'm ready. I want something new. I'm about to do something new. I'm going to change some Christians into some radical believers. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. I'm about to break out here and preach, and we're liable not to go home until... Whoo! What was that bricklayer or your concrete guy, Charlie, that poured that concrete? And he said, we were asking, you were asking him about church, and he said, man, we're there till." Charlie said, how long will your church last? He said, man, we'll, lie, we'll go from 1 to 2 o'clock. And he said, if the Holy Ghost show up, we'll, lie, we'll be there all day long. <laughs> how about some all day long services? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, uh-huh. I hear you. See, but you ain't desperate enough yet. You know what? In Africa... 12 o'clock came, I'm shutting down. And so they're kind of sitting there like, okay. So I walk over and I'm like, so we're going to have an afternoon service and let's go eat. And they said, he said, okay, Pastor, we'll take you to eat. And I said, well, what are the people going to do? They're going to wait here till you come back. <laughs> what? Yeah, they're going to wait here till you come back. They're ready for the word. Hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel kind of funny about going to eat and making people wait on me. I said, well, aren't they going to give? He said, well, first of all, they don't have no money to go get anything to eat. Second, they walked, some of them, 10 miles or more to get here. And they didn't come in at night because there's things out there that can eat them. They're desperate for the word. They'll wait here till you come back. I said, then I ain't going nowhere. Sandy, you and the girls go down to the store, buy some whatever we can buy, peanut butter, I don't know, bread or whatever, bring some food back. And that's what we did. We spent every, every dollar we had buying food to bring back for them to eat. And we stayed there and preached. You know why? They were desperate. And you know what happened? They were transformed. People were healed. Spirit of God moved. Generations of people that had been under a curse, broken, delivered. Demonic spirits, gone. Miracles happened. You know why? The next time that we showed up, you can ask... Robbie McGee, Claude's gone. Frank Samples was there. We're getting ready. To, our 747 pulls up into the jet thing, Majiggy. There, people on the rooftop. What are people doing up on that rooftop? We're walking out the plane, and they don't have the one of those enclosed deal. They just have those little ladder things. They're pushing up to each door. So I turn to get off the. And Pastor Paul, Pastor Paul. I went, what, what, what? They're on the rooftop. Pastor Paul, Pastor Paul. And you talk about humbling you. I'm thinking, my word. And then, of course, the guy behind Robbie's here, and the guy behind Robbie said, who, who is he, a rock star? He said, no, he's a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> what will get you to come however far they had to come to Nairobi, climb up on the top of an airport to holler to see a man of God coming in? Because they knew that something was about to happen. And it ain't through me. It ain't through me, just a vessel. Just a vessel that let the Holy Spirit flow through. But they knew that something would happen if we prayed. I'll tell you what we taught those pastors over there. Is that you represent the Lord and let those people know that God flows through you. Wherever you whenever you say it, it's going to happen. Whatever it does, it's going to happen. They believed that. People, they were just simple enough to believe it. When we had broke generational curses, they sent up the, from the, the witch doctors. This isn't bones in the nose type stuff. These are three-piece suit guys. 
from Mombasa ordered the regional uh, witch doctor to go over and tell the pastor in that area that we'd set in and started a church there to shut it down. Ain't no churches allowed here. By order of the witch doctor, head honcho back there. We're bringing a curse. He ordered a curse. He wrote out a curse, sent it to that person. They took it over to the church, told the pastor, there's a curse. There's going to be a curse upon you, and you're, you're going to die in 10 days if you don't shut this thing down. He said, uh-uh. Pastor Paul told us we could reverse the curse. <laughs> and so he said, let me see that thing. Now here, slapped it right on his chest. He says, it's all reversed back to you. And the guy goes, no, no, no. So he took it back down to Mombasa. Well, I fired him up. The guy from Mombasa came up to Machacos, and he says, you're not honoring my curse? Nope. We reverse it. We're Christians. The greater sea that's in us than he that's in the world, whatever you speak over us, going back on you. It's on. And there's a showdown. Everybody's watching for 10 days. Okay. Is what Pastor Paul told us that God said, is that right? Or is the witch doctor right? You see, I'm going to tell you some people, it ain't no games over there. It's real. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What do you think happened? The witch doctor died. <laughs> I was trying to think of that old 60s song about the witch doctor. Whatever that was about something other than they had that funny little jingle about the witch doctor dying or whatever. Anyway, but the witch doctor died. You don't think that church was filled up Sunday? Oh, yeah. Not just the, but inside. You know, they had windows. Windows are open. People outside ganged around. Sam and Sandy went with us down there. When they'd gather, I mean, they'd be outside looped around. We got pictures of us feeding people, and they're lined up clear out to the street, and we're praying over the soup to make sure it's going to stretch, and it did. It fed every one of them just to do right. I'm telling you, miracles work. You know why? Because I say, God, why does it work there and it doesn't work here? Lord, I wanted to work in Alvin. He said, nobody's desperate in Alvin. I was preaching one Sunday morning there in one of those little towns around there, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit began to deal with me about hip pain, and I knew all about hip pain. I'd already had a hip replacement. One of the finest doctors in the world at Methodist Hospital did my right hip instantly when I woke up. There's a difference. I knew there was a difference. And all of a sudden, I began to feel that pain again. And the Holy Spirit began to say, pray for those that have pain in their hip. And I'm thinking, hmm, hmm. You know, there might be one or two here. And I thought, well, okay. God will stop for one or two. So I just was obedient to the Lord. And I said, the Holy Spirit's prompted me to pray for all of those because I know it's only going to be one or two. All of those that have hip problems. <laughs> about 50 people stood up. What? See, that has a way to change. God will change your time frame. See, now, what do you do? How long does it take to pray for 50 people? If it's 60 seconds each person, do the math. That's 50 minutes. Hmm. Who wants to hang around here till 1 o'clock? The people that are getting prayed for, for one. But everybody else that was desperate in there to see their lives change and transformed, they stood, everybody stayed. And boy, I began to pray. There was a compassion that came over me because I knew, I thought, Lord, I thank you that you opened up a way for me to have surgery 
Thank you for giving the, the doctors the knowledge and the wisdom that they had. I recognize God, even though a doctor performed it. God gave him the knowledge to do that. Worked a miracle financially to do it. It didn't cost me anything. That's a miracle. And I thought, these people will not have that opportunity. There's nobody. You don't want to go to the hospital there, I guarantee you. Lord, unless you do this, it won't happen. Now, in case you missed it, that's desperation. And when desperation meets urgency, because you've got to have relief now. It, it, oh, if, you, if you ain't ever had any arthritic pain, any joint pain, you know what I'm talking about. But you're urgent for something to happen. You mix desperation with urgency and expectancy. Those people, they, when they came forward, they, they just didn't have a doubt in their mind that God was about to set them free. And I want to tell you, as we went down through there, just saying, Lord, I thank you that you do this. By your stripes they're healed. And we just begin to lay hands. We were obedient just as a vessel that the Holy Spirit flew, would flow through. And those people, I want to tell you something, people that were barely able to walk up there were just... And then, I mean, they begin to do that little African dance, man. I don't know if you saw that one picture last night, and I was in this really odd motion, but what I was doing was jumping rope with the kids out on the, on the school ground there in Nairobi in the, the slums. You know why I was jumping rope? Because I could. <laughs> because there were times when I couldn't. And they knew that because I was excited, and those people began to come, and God healed every one of them. You're talking about transformational revival. Why do we have 24 churches in Africa? Because people's lives were transformed. And they went out and they compelled them to come in. You know why I'm not there anymore? Because I don't want them to think it's me. They got to know it's God. They got to know it's God. That's why we begin to work pastors in. We went up to this one hospital. We went in. We were praying with these children. And we were giving gifts. We went back out to get some. And they said, oh, Pastor Paul. What a great day. I said, man, this is cool. Yeah, I know. These kids, you know, we're praying for them. And, and they said, oh, no, no. They'll never forget this day. I said, man, I won't forget it either. You know, I'm all excited. We're getting these stuff out of little toys, you know, to hand to them and then pray with them. And it's, oh, they'll never forget when a white American came and prayed for these kids. And I stopped. I was frozen in my tracks. I said, then we're, then we're missing it. We're missing it. I said, here's what we're going to do. You're going to take this stuff back in there. You're going to pray for every one of those kids. And when I'm not here, you're going to visit their families. You want to be part of this ministry? We ain't going to send you a bunch of money to be whoever, whatever. You're going to do the work of a minister or of a pastor. You're going to visit their families. You're going to pray over them. You're going to show them that the Spirit of God dwells in you. So I'm not going back in there because their eyes are upon me. Their eyes need to be upon the Lord. And we began to transition some stuff and transition some stuff to where people began to believe that it was God. That it didn't matter if a 747 brought a Pastor Paul in from Alvin, Texas, or there was no plane at all. Because now you can't hardly get in there. Now then they just know that the Holy Spirit is there and He's present anytime. And He can be anywhere. And people is still growing. It's still growing. Why? Transformational revival. Do you want it to happen here? Do you want it to happen here? The Lord's speaking to me about doing a Bible school. I've been fighting it. Before he called me to pastor, he began to lay in my heart about a Bible school. Let me tell you, 
from the years 2005 to about 2008, I about killed myself writing Bible school curriculum for Africa, get it in their hands, training, equipping. I mean, so much that I just, oh. And when I think about it now, I just like, and they're right, Tim, we've talked about it. Man, God keeps, I mean, I'll wake up at night. Hmm. Bible school, Bible school, Bible school, Bible school, Bible school. Oh, that's a bad dream. So I need to say it publicly so I don't back away from it. But the Lord willing, the first of this year, if he, does, if he tarries and we're still here, we're going to start a Bible school. So got to be obedient. But here's the deal. I ain't doing it all. You, some of you have been sitting here 30 years, you know. And so get off of your blessed assurance. <laughs> Jump in the game. But here's the thing, because God, here's what he called me. When I left Tulsa, I don't know if I've shared this or not, but when he said go to Alvin, I go, what is Alvin? He said south of Houston. I go, okay, that's right, south of Houston. I've been there. He goes, Houston, Texas. This is 30-some years ago. No, actually, more than that. Yeah. But anyway, he says, Houston is going to be the modern-day Rome. What you talking about, God? Every nation in the world, he said, I'll do my greatest mission work. Now, listen to this. I don't think I've ever shared this. He said, I'll do my greatest mission work, because I really was mission-minded at that particular time through the city of Houston. What? He said, there's no time for missionaries to learn a language, go to a country, get acclimated, get accepted, try to, you know, refine the language enough to teach so people are hearing it. That takes years. He said, that's over. Now then, people are coming. Every nation in the world is represented in Houston, Texas. I said, okay, well, I'll believe you now, Lord. Check you out later. When we sponsored a Latvian family in 1989, blew me away. I couldn't believe we had, there's a Latvian. How many people ever heard of Latvia before? I mean, back in 89, very few within the Soviet Union. And there was 38,000 Latvians in Houston. Are you kidding me? And so you've been to look, you look at Houston. It's an international city. Go to Dallas. My sister's from Dallas. Don't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> Y'all still talk like Texans. <laughs> Down here, we might a little bit more international. Houston's a little more inter international city. And God said, plant churches around the Houston area. I don't think I've ever told you all that. You know why? Because I'm tired. <laughs> That's work. And when you're birthing a church, and it's all you can do, that first 10 years was just, I mean, everything. To think about another one, that's kind of like speaking to a lady giving birth to a child like halfway through. All right, and you're going to have another one? Uh-uh, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> no, we'll wait a while. God said to plant churches around the Houston area, shining light in this area. People are going to get saved. Some people will go back to these nations. When I heard when Christian pulled up the statistics about the, our podcast, and he began to read these countries Qatar Qatar we would think terrorists come out of there in this, some of these areas Saudi Arabia some of these places and the message is going over there God's saying he'll raise up somebody here 
that that's their country. They come over here, but they'll surrender their life to God. And for them to go back is a big deal. They'll go back to their own, na- their own country. Now, they're already accepted. They already know the language. They're not going to be afraid of some terrorist. I mean, Tim, I'm sorry, you and I walk in there. They, we're kind of easy to spot. You know what I'm talking about? But they'll go back and he'll do his greatest work in these last days. Listen to the urgency here. These last days to get the gospel to the world, it's going to take sending those that are already part of that back to that area. And he'll do it out of the Houston area. You say, wow, those are some bold words. I know that's why I haven't said them before. But I'm telling you now, now's the time. It's due time. Due time. Some of you need to step up. Some of you sitting in here today might be pastors. I don't know. Maybe you're struggling with it. I don't know. Some of you might be worship leaders. How many years have I been saying, we need three or four worship teams? You know what I'm thinking in the background? Because whenever we get ready to start a church in Katy, Chris and Ruth, we'll send a praise team up there, and we're going to have church, and we'll start out with music, because everybody likes music, and man, here we go, and start a church. A lot of work. A lot of money. A lot of people. It's It's impossible. Sure it is. That's why God's going to do it. That's why God's going to do it. I believe. Let me tell you, it's, it's due time. I like to say it's high time, but it's due time. It's due, God, God said it's due time. Forty-one years ago. I'm celebrating 40 years in ministry. It took me a year to really agree to get there. I'm serious. 1976. At an altar at Topeka, Kansas, at the camp meeting, there at Forest Park, I think, is that what the name of it? I sat there until past 3 o'clock in the morning. Everybody turned out the lights. Hearing God and Him pouring into me some of these things, I'm saying, wow. And He says, it is time. 40 years has passed. I'm like, okay, there's a bush burning here. In my life, I'm going to tell you something. I've seen the burning bush. It's time to move. It's time to get with it. So like Christian Center, remember we had that a couple weeks ago about stepping over the line? And we've had a, you know, nevertheless type thing. And some of these messages have been coming. Man, what's wrong with Pastor Paul? What's wrong with Pastor Paul? He's on fire. That's that burning bush, man. I saw the bush. I'm going to tell you something. I've seen it. It's a, something good's about to happen. Something new's about to happen. Get ready, get ready, get ready. It's going to happen. It's a process. We've got to catch it. We've got to get that urgency. We've got to get that desperation. We've got to get that expectancy. And then it's going to come through. They're going to come. And when they come, people, it's not going to be any one person. It's going to be touching people. People touching people. Do you get that? People touching people. Not a person touching everybody. It's not going to be like it used to be where Oral Roberts would sit there and he would he'd get a stool to sit down because he was praying for thousands of people. I remember five or six years old going over to St. Joseph, Missouri and Oral Roberts had a, a meeting there and watching, I think, seeing thousands of people come through and he's laying hands on it. I remember then going to school there and him saying, telling us, he said, you know what? 
I laid hands on more people, and he says, and most of them walked away. He says, they, he said, I failed more than any other individual. What? He said, more people walked away not healed than healed. He said, there's got to be something different. There's got to be something different. And God began to speak to him about training up uh, Christian doctors that, with a knowledge and various other things like that. God's saying, it's a new thing. Here's what we're going to do. It's going to be people touching people. The long ranger, the day of the long ranger, it's gone. It ain't going to be Pastor Paul. It ain't going to be an individual. It's going to be people touching people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? transformational revival. you got to believe that you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You cast out devils in my name. If you take up any deadly thing, it's not going to hurt you. Why? Because you're a child of God, full of the Holy Spirit of God, called to go do something. You're going to call to go out and, and see the impossible, believe the impossible, you know, see the invisible. Let God move in your life. Come on, let's stand this morning. Woo! Get ready. Father, all I can do is just deliver it. I'm like the mailman. I don't write the mail. I just deliver it. But Father, I'm praying. Holy Spirit, take this word. Take this word. Burn it into our hearts. Brand it on our spirit. Father, let our minds be seared with those three little letters, D-U-E, that we see desperation, urgency, expectancy, desperation, urgency, expectancy. God, that we get desperate before you. Without you, it's not going to happen. And it needs to happen now. It needs to happen now. It needs to happen now. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. They got to be ready. They got to know. And Lord, we believe you can do all things. Father, help us. Help us. I believe you're doing a new thing. The question is, do you perceive it? God's saying, I am doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? Do you perceive it? The question is to you. The ball's in your court. Do you perceive it? Do you believe it? You get a hold of it? You've got a vision for it? I challenge you to seek his face until it's burned into your spirit that all you think about is people coming into the kingdom of God, people getting saved, people getting healed, set free, Marriage is being restored. Relationships being restored. Jobs just appearing, being created for people that need a job. Wow. Until we get desperate with him, it'll never happen. If you want to play church, let me tell you what's going to happen. Here's the urgency. You'll be playing church when he comes down and that trumpet sound and that bride's caught and taken away. Then go ahead about yourself. Just go ahead and play church all you want. Because God is saying now, he's saying, behold, listen up, pay attention. I am doing something new. Now it's springing forth. Do you perceive it? Do you understand? Do you believe it? Do you have a hold on this? Wow. With our heads bowed this morning. First of all, let me ask you, if you're here and you're not sure 
of where you're going to spend eternity and you're starting to sense the urgency of the hour that we're living in if you're not sure that if this were your day to to enter into eternity that it would be in heaven if you're not sure of that man don't leave this place without that assurance just raise your hand if you're not sure if you're here today and you're not certain if question marks come up in your mind when you think about death and dying just raise your hand we want to pray for you right where you are anybody here you're not sure let me just say this you don't have to raise your hand but if you aren't if you don't feel close to God if you feel like that your relationship is drifted maybe it's a little bit cold I challenge you right now to just rededicate your life to him and say Lord I I'm off the fence I'm in the game I believe you're doing something new I want to be a part of it some there's people that need miracles with health problems unless God intervenes there's no hope we're gonna see people set free of cancer hopeless cancer diagnosis that say this is it and we've seen it before we've seen it on a small Danny red stand back there they already declared him dead he was green yellow green khaki color no hope 5% I don't know what it was when Sandy and I are driving to the hospital the Spirit of God said he shall live and not die you know what we just believe God we walked in there it was kind of actually in an open place there's other people around and I'm thinking oh boy they're gonna think we're crazy and God says so what do you believe me or not yes we do so we walked over there we looked at each other we both laid hands on Danny and we said you shall live and not die I don't know if you've noticed or not but he's still back there he's still here God's done so many different things but like Christian Center he's not through God's done a lot of stuff at Light Christian Center. But I want to tell you, as they say, hold on to your hats. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now, before you, we come as a church to present ourselves to you. Father, there's some that have never seen transformation. But that's okay. We don't have to see those things to believe you. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. What you did yesterday, you can do today. Father, I believe that we're going to see serious marital or family problems just corrected and changed. I believe we're going to see financial problems. Desperate need for work. Father, that you come in and you provide. Father, I believe personal problems and hang-ups and habits like anxiety and guilt, anger, loneliness, bitterness, those things are going to be just removed and people set free from those things. And Life-dominating sin like alcohol and drugs, pornography, gambling addictions all those things father are just going to be people are going to be set free from these things transformed mother whatever problem presents itself you are bigger than all those problems father it's beyond us and our ability therefore that's why we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find grace to help us in our time of need father we just believe that you're about to do something new
something good, something great. We believe you got something great in the future. Father, we're going to pray more, worry less. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God's waiting for somebody to say yes. He's waiting for somebody to say yes. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. No more weak prayers. Hallelujah. I keep hearing this. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they are insulting to God. Pray big prayers. We've been shooting way too low. Because they don't need divine intervention. Why isn't God? Because he don't need to. We don't need him to. Unless the only result is divine intervention, then God doesn't need to move. I'm hearing this. You're only one prayer away from a dream fulfilled. You're only one prayer away from a promise kept. You're only one prayer away from a miracle performed. I'm just hearing the Lord say, your prayers need to be resolute but humble. If I have to think about that for a second, what does resolute mean? That means bold, confident, resolute, but humble. Okay? All right, Lord. Our prayer needs to be confident but meek. Teach us to pray, Lord. Resolute, but humble. Confident, but meek. meek. Expectant, but unassuming. Wow. I hope somebody's writing that down. I want to preach this. Resolute, but humble. Confident, but meek. Expectant, but unassuming. There's a key, people. When we learn to pray like that, hmm, the place where we're gathered, it's shaking. We better get some new insurance, Charlie and Wade. Better get some earthquake insurance around here because you know, that's something going to happen around here. All right. All right. Well, we got to let you go. And uh, I'm not going to apologize for keeping you a little bit long because we're talking... We're talking business here, right? Kingdom business is what God's going to do. So now we're all on the same page, right? Those that aren't here, you tell them, man. Boy, you better show up. Uh, let me tell you what I believe is going to happen. Every time we gather, God's going to be telling us. He's going to be gonna, giving us instruction. He's going to be encouraging us, giving us instruction on what he's going to do. He's doing a new thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for burning bush experiences where all we can do is take off our sandals because it's holy ground. Father, there's some holy ground here today. There's some holy ground here today. Do it, God. Do it, God. Do it, God. Do it, God. My daughter asked, Dad, don't you want to retire? No. I want to refire. 
Why? Because I haven't seen what God promised to do yet. And it ain't over till it's over. You know where that came from. Nevertheless, no matter what happens, nevertheless, God, at God's word, we will do what he says to do. Father, thank you for this word. Burn it in our hearts. Let us keep our burning and our yearning for you, Father, and fill this house. You said that, Jesus. Fill the house. Fill the house. Fill the house. Fill the house. Lord, like it's so full like it was on that day that they had to knock a hole in the roof to get the person down for the miracle. Fill the house. Lord, Not just, we don't keep attendance boards around here, but fill the house so you can meet the needs of, of multitudes and people's lives will be transformed, set free, where that this whole area is shaken. And, Father, that we begin to see it spring up all around this area, all around the Houston area, ministering to people, winning the lost, developing the saved, seeing people set free, lives transformed, healed. Father, I believe you want to do it before you come, before that trumpet sounds and there's an urgency because I just, man, I can see that trumpet in that angel's hands and it's just almost up to his lips to blow what we do. We got to do it. And Father, we, we trust in you. We trust in you. And so, Father, as we gather here today, we're gathered in your name as your people, humbling ourselves, praying, seeking your face, turning from the past, turning from our self-centeredness and wicked ways. Now, Father, we expect to hear from heaven. We expect for you to move, heal our land, set people free. Father, let your uh, voice uh, be spoken in this place. Let your eyes be tuned in and your ears hearing what's offered up in this house. Father, that we know that you move. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Boy, give three people a high five and say something good's about to happen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.